Welcome back to the Digital Doha Podcast, our new series that brings you informative conversations with local experts, exploring the cutting edge of emerging media happening right here in the dynamic international capital of Doha. I'm your host, Spencer Stryker, digital media professor at Northwestern Qatar, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sheikha Al-Kubasi, media information and technology student at NUQ. We're thrilled to bring you episode four, Chaos Antidote, featuring Hadir Omar. Hadir is an Egyptian time-based media artist, designer, and educator. She holds an MFA in design and BFA in graphic design. Her work explores cultural identity and memories, the self and narratives artfully through immersive XR media and technologies, graphics, photography, and video art installations. She currently serves as assistant professor at VCU Arts in Education City, Qatar. Her work has been showcased in Egypt, Qatar, San Francisco, Austria, Bulgaria, Dubai, and Berlin. Hadir is an expert at manipulating mediums to emphasize the story behind each piece of her work. We hope you enjoy our conversation with one of Doha's leading innovators in AR, VR design. You said you've been doing digital media production for 15 years. That's pretty much as long as digital media production has been around. So you're, you're kind of like, you know, very early practitioner, but did you start off interested in AR, VR, or have you evolved into AR, VR in the course of your career? I did. I did evolve. Yes. I, um, I started as just because I'm in graphic design, I was curious in uh, digital technologies in general, uh, going from 2D to 3D to 2D again. Um, back in the old days when we're doing animations and uh, uh, starting with holograms and things like that. So it was very early stage with things and being uh, still an undergrad student, uh, maybe the resources were not there. The technology was still not developed. Um, I, I don't know how to code. So this is something that was a little bit more advanced for a designer to learn. So it was more for the computer science students or like Carnegie Mellon students that they were like more famous to do these kind of things. And we joined forces if we were interested. So um, after I graduated, this is when we started getting that kind of turning to that movement, which is um, going to an era of a designer can be also a coder and could be a developer and can do so much more than uh, be a consumer to the tools. Um, and we can go behind the scenes and edit these tools. So this is something that in my career, I saw that it shifted so much and it was naturally something that made me dig in more in AR and VR. And it's not just AR and, AR and VR. I, I experiment with XR in, in general, like extended realities in all sorts of forms, mm. um, not just these two. So I'm, um, I do um, spatial installations. I work with audio installations. I, I try to play with light sculpting. Like there's so many other things that um, uh, VR can be part of it, and AR for sure. Uh, already exposed, we're exposed to it every day on Instagram and filters and all of that. So it's like it's part of our daily routine now. You said you started as early as you were an undergraduate. So where did you do your undergraduate education? 
Uh, I did it at VCU. So I graduated with a graphic design degree at VCU. At that time, I was the last batch to be girls only. And uh, it was a very interesting time in, uh, in the art school and also how to raise awareness about design and what design is. And I was privileged to be part of an institution that I saw its development and, and the development of the, the field for the last 15 years. I went um, out and I did my own thing and I came back to the same institution, which gave me uh, a very interesting way of like developing as a person and also taking from the history of this institution and um, and educating the students now in a in a in a it's 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 interesting because it's radical, but at the same time we have history, so it's like I I kind of like not coming to be like. I'm like invading you and here's my ideas. It's like, no, I'm, I'm already, I know how these, these institutions work. Um, I knew traditionally how um, the, the, the institution, how it, it, um, it consumed design, how it uh, celebrated and educated design and uh, now wh what they reached, it's great. Yeah, so it sounds like you're one of the first cohorts of students at VCUQ. Uh, the school um, in in two years or three years is going to be its twenty uh, fifth anniversary. It's one of the earliest schools oh, uh, in Qatar Foundation, so um, it's the first university that has a lot of uh, artists came um, uh, out and they're doing amazing stuff. And some of them they're teaching now. Some of them they're outside of the country. Others that they're embedded in the DNA of the country now and doing amazing things. So it's, um, that's why I was saying VCU's history is evolving so much because it's it's from the 90s. Like, you know, like um, I think it was 1998 or something that when it uh, was established. And you're, you were what one of you came about 10 so, years after they I, I came and yeah my, I was a freshman into a 20 uh, um I was yeah 2006 yeah this is one was my first I see yeah, freshman year. So you said that you are the last cohort that was all women yeah so my class yeah. of uh, 2010 uh -huh. that was the last uh, girls only because it used to be just girls school and then um, after us, it's like it started to be co-ed after. And because we're like in the topic of culture, like you exhibited your work in like various places like Egypt, Qatar, San Francisco, Austria, Bulgaria, and so on. How different is the digital media world in Qatar and the Middle East in general, like compared to these other countries? I'll tell you a funny story just because or like the 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 intentions behind because uh Spencer already spoke about like you know it's like why or when did you start talking like uh digging into digital uh arts and for me um one of the things that I felt uh, artists struggle a lot of the times is shipment the amount of payment that they have to pay when they want to like ship their work or all these kind of like hustle that they have to go through. Digital arts is great when it comes to like, you know, just send the file or you send a folder with stuff and you're done. Uh, when you're submitting a film to festivals, you just like also have your press kit done. You don't have to um, travel that much. It's not like before. People used to do that before, but now it's like you can you can finish everything in your house and you submit and you're done and you can get your profit also while you're sitting on your couch. So for me, that's one of the biggest benefits about 
digging into like digital arts and also when it comes to extended um, realities is that whole idea of like transporting you to somewhere else. So it's like you you don't have to travel everywhere. You don't have to experience everything at once. You don't have to feel that FOMO kind of thing all the time. It's like, again, we are, we're living in a space now that you can um, put a headset on or you can use your phone to get to be in real time in somewhere else. And then you, when you are bored or something, you can just, go to the next event you can scroll down to the other event you can so you're always updated and you're consuming all these information it's crazy but i i still feel like it's a huge benefit well first of all you speak about digital media practice in such a fluent and thoughtful way i'd love to transition now and actually talk about some of your uh, specific projects maybe starting with fragmented realities so this project was uh, originally, uh, it was supposed to be a VR uh, projection mapping kind of project. Mm. Uh, but the problem is because of uh, COVID, uh, we limited the idea to just um, projection mapping and uh, audio installation, uh, audiovisual installation. So uh, that was part of my residency in uh, Doha um, uh, Fire Station. And it's a, it's a residency for a um, couple of months. It's like nine months residency, but because of COVID hit, we had to kind of like extend the time and uh, work more on it uh, in our houses and our studios. Um, and uh, my research in the residency was about dreams and the process of dreams is something that's common between all of us. And uh, what was interesting uh, for me was not just uh, the psychological side, it was also how people try to turn their narratives or these visions that they get into symbols and uh, stories and they make sense of it just to kind of survive the day or like they relate it to their own lives in, in somehow that it's like maybe it's a sign or something. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've been very interested in that concept and so many stories um, people try to kind of, the first thing when you tell people, did you have a dream yesterday or something, or someone is telling you about their latest dreams, they always say, I was in that space, it was that time, these people are with me. So there are a lot of kind of descriptive um, elements that it's like, as if you're, you're, you're telling a story, you know, it's like they want to make sense of the narrative with these elements that it's usually, if you're, you're, you're watching a film or whatever, they're going to have the same elements um a sense of smell a sense of like um physicality maybe it could be pain it could be something that after they wake up they uh they get to experience so for me that was was amazing because every single person you ask they have a story to share they have um a feeling that they got or maybe um a symbol or um, like something that it's like it occurred to them so many times and they're still not sure why it happened. Mind is so heavy and uh, super uh, weird and we don't know till now how the brain works. So it's like for us, it's like this is our only way of making sense of it. So this installation was not just my work. I didn't want people to be immersed in 
just my own dreams and my own stories. So that's a collective of 60 people's uh, dreams. So yeah. I, Im I embedded the, my concept to one of my, uh, uh, my classrooms. So my students, 35 students also, they shared and created their own dreams, videos and audio uh, escapes. That for them, that's that, that was the sound escapes that they, uh, they generated first and then they created visuals for it. And these are all like, these uh, mind maps are all the students work. Like they were just like figuring out like the dreams and uh, the making of it. And then for me, when it came to the installation, pillows was the, the unit that I wanted to project on because this is the place that you dream, you know, and that's uh, what symbolizes it. And um, I built a room in the space and it just like, it created that, a whole like like you transported to that room so it's like the whole idea is like turning it's supposed to be a vr experience but i turned it to like a, a physical space instead of a, a vr space and that was my uh my alternative solution for covid just because of it's very creative the, you could take this and um transpose it to pure vr maybe you of could course. you could use I have the content i have yeah, this could be like the uh, prototype for the AR VR experience. Yes, of course, of course. I have uh, I have the content. I have the the audio. I have um, thirty other public the public that I just did an open call and people submitted their voice notes of their dreams. So it was um, it was a collective experience that I enjoyed the process once people start sharing their dreams mm. more than when I was making it because it was I just developed a template for them and they just took it and did their own thing which was great for me and um what, what did you like so what did you learn about people's dreams in the process because that to me is very interesting that you blended you said 60 people's dreams what did you learn about people's dreams in the process of doing that uh, some of them they're very descriptive like some they send me four minutes long five minutes long of the same dream. And uh, some of them, they felt that they woke up in the middle of the dream and they, they were still dreaming. So that physicality is, is something that's huge and crucial. And when it comes to like um, your, your uh, phases and uh, the, the stages that you're in within your dream. And it's like uh, some of my students, they were talking about lucid dreaming and how they can know how to control their dreams. And I'm like, this was a very interesting conversation in the classroom because we all, yes, share the same process, but we all experience it completely different. If you have uh, anxieties, if you have uh, any uh, mental health issues or anything, or like uh, you're going through a lot in your life, maybe, or what you ate or your cycle of sleep is, is ruined. So sometimes this affects also what you're going to get or what you're going to experience. Um, some of them, they were talking about how they connect with their loved ones that they passed away because of, of like that. So it was um, a way of kind of visiting them or like get to uh, reconnect uh, by loved ones, like with the loved ones um, through the dreams. So that was that was very interesting for me. I wanted to like ask because you said like you have the ability to transform this project into VR. Like what's the process of transitioning this into a VR project? Um, at the beginning, I was interested in um, um, using um, image capture and like sensors and like in real time people will be interacting in that space. 
Um, and and the, so it's like the projection is interactive. It's not just you get sit and experience things. Uh, the VR was going to be like an extension, like another um, translation of the same idea, but it's just a completely different thing. And um, it just didn't happen. So for me, I have the, all the interviews still. I have all the, the, the visuals that I created. I have some of them, they're 2D and other that I was shot already in 360. Um, there are some that you can generate um, even in, um, in a 360 environment digitally. So it's, I'm not, um, and because it's a dream, I can, I can go as trippy as I want with the visuals. Yeah. You know, it's like at the end of the day, it's there's no rules here. You can break whatever you learned about what you should and should shouldn't do in VR context. But because it's the theme itself is you can do whatever, uh, you can really do whatever. Let's take a look at this one, the Weather Tower 360. So can you tell us a little bit more about this one and how you leverage oh. AR VR for this piece? So that was a VR um, uh, collaboration piece. So it's uh, it was an exhibition that uh, was uh, created by one of my um, friends and colleagues, uh, Maisel Mu'min um, and her husband, and they both um, uh, have their own company and they had an exhibition in uh, Fire Station back in uh, 2020. And, um, and that time they collaborated with other artists to take their artifacts and their artworks and get inspired from one of them, one of the pieces and create my own take on it. So they had uh, that tower, it's like a three, 3D printed tower. It's almost one meter um, high. And um, I just inserted my VR camera, like a 360 camera inside of that tower. And I wanted to, it's, when you see the tower is still, it's small. It's a, it's a mock-up or like it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, like, it's just an, an artifact. But I wanted to, to change the definition of it or how you view it and to turn it to more into like an architectural space mm. and uh, to get to see with light and shadows for me light and shadows is something that's crucial in my work so I wanted just to tell another story that these towers maybe should be or maybe this is what they represent and um, I just played with light and shadows and um, and with the levels and playing with the audio also and the, uh, the, the soundtrack and how it was played and people there um, uh, get to enjoy it because in the exhibition you get to see the tower and then you get to watch it or you get to experience it. Mm -hmm. So um, it was a, an interesting experience, like experiment for me because um, I, do, I do work with people a lot. Like I, I don't like to work alone. I always collaborate with someone. Mm -hmm. Someone needs to be on board with me. And uh, this was one of these things that it's like, I get to take someone else's work and just like give it a second life or just have another take on uh, what it means or why it, what it represents. Okay, so just so I understand. So this is a 3D printed tower that you yes. then made into a immersive VR experience, yes? Yep. And then you playing with the concept of shadows, of light and shadows. Is the whole thing is in black and white or, or not? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It looks like a kind of, you know, obviously it looks like an old film, kind of has that interesting yeah. aesthetic. Can I ask you a practical question about just showcasing 
AR VR work? I mean, is it safe to say something is lost when people are watching on YouTube? They're watching people with the sets and they're not really able to appreciate what it was like, right? To be there with the set on their head. I mean, just is that, maybe you can speak to that, just the challenges of showcasing. Yeah. This is one of the things that still till now doesn't get me really excited about VR because of the headset and how isolated you are in that space. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, I, what I love about projection mapping is like, I can have 20 people experiencing the same thing together in the space. And um, VR till now is not like that. And the, the headset itself is heavy. It's, uh, it's not convenient when it comes to like now with COVID, like now we, we can't do that. Like I, I always teach students uh, or introduce them to VR in every semester that I have them when I have new batch. Uh, I usually have at least one project that's VR. Mm. Um, and usually I take them to class and we have already um, a station for VR that's in, in the, my classroom. Um, and I just make them experience VR. Some of them, they didn't experience VR um, experience before, like mm, ever. Yeah. So it's like yeah. for them, it's not just about creating for them. It's always, it's also it's just like introducing to the world. It's like, it's, you're designing for everywhere. Everything is exposed in that space. Mm-hmm. So right. for for me, for me, once COVID hit, I had to start finding other alternatives, like you know, it's like sending them like uh, cardboard uh, VR headsets and things like that, just to at least get to see their work when they're doing it, uh, just to test it. Mm-hmm. Not the same experience, uh, of course, but it's so limiting. Like it's mm-hmm. something that for me. AR is maybe a little bit uh, way better uh, when it comes to COVID. Like now um, I've been teaching them also and doing like AR, like, you know, it's like uh, experiences, but it's like 2D or 3D um, experiences. So we did the once was an Instagram, um, like it was was a collaboration and uh, we did like um, 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 an Instagram filter thing that it was also 3D that was embedded in one of the courses and in the art foundation also my cell moment also she was in charge of that and I collaborate with them to kind of like push that experience Mm -hmm. another uh, project that was two projects actually that 2D now that we did we did one in movie posters so they had to get inspired of the movie poster Mm -hmm. and uh, they had the, the score of the film and they have to animate it so mm. you scan the film and it's like it starts animating the poster, which was super fun. Now we're doing it. Mm. And uh, another project that we did was for uh, food packaging. So when you scan F- any food packaging, it's just like it starts getting animated. And it's fun because some of them, they got um, really creative with the space. Like even if it's just 2D flat images, they started creating a 3D, 3D space with the, with the imagery and stuff like that. Uh, to mimic a 3D experience. So AR for sure during during COVID uh, helped me more to kind of make the students feel that they're they're not missing out anything. But VR is you still can teach it uh, online. It's not hard. Mm. Like um, like I've been I'm teaching foundations first year students, and some of them it was their first um, even semester. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did uh, we did an animation. Also, it was another collaboration with Drawing uh, Studio with uh, another professor called Jesse. Um, and uh, he also 
when he because he teaches drawing me and him we collaborated to do um an animation in 360. they were drawing in a in a 360 space using photoshop and we edited it on uh premiere they drew frame by frame on photoshop it was a nightmare but we still loved the process mm -hmm. yeah that was gonna be I, I mean you've already answered that in some considerable detail but um i mean as i said you're kind of on the cutting edge of teaching this very new uh, digital media practice of AR, VR. So, but this is a totally collaborative project, just on a practical uh, consideration. How are you grading this? If you, if it's uh, how so you- me and, Yeah, uh, good question, because evaluation is something that's tricky, but for me, it's, um, um, I, 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 was, I was with uh, Payne at that time, the professor, he was uh, grading the drawing aspect of the project, and I was, um, uh, for time and time is uh, mainly is like uh, the technical part of the drawing and uh, the storyline, uh, the process of the making and uh, we have participation also is graded as part of the grade. Um, um, how can you, whatever concept or abstract you're giving us the mood and the feel and the, the audio also that they were creating, the soundscape that they created because it also had audio um, that they were designing. So all of this I was grading. Mm -hmm. And Jesse on the other side, he was also looking at the technicalities when it comes to the drawing and how you can turn it to like a spatial uh, rich space. Um, and um, you can see the difference when you're looking at like each one, yeah. you would see like, you know, some of them, they were very interested and just, mm -hmm filling the space with things and they're obsessed with details mm. others they were interested in investing in the audio for example and they just worked on a very simple idea but it was effective huh. so it's um this is how they get evaluated usually okay yeah that's very advanced in a collaborative approach uh to teaching the class i see a lot of like arabic words is that like intentional like mashallah ajib arabic like small little details uh, so there there are a lot of uh, a lot of these words that we always use anyway when we when we talk like you know it's like uh, ajib was also um uh, because the students say it all the time when they're critiquing each other's work they just say ajib or like oh it's amazing or whatever uh, or like mashallah this is great you know it's like it's always they have these terms so uh the faculty usually use it as a way of like you know it's like as a prompt word or like you know it's like we use it as to be part of like you know it's like getting a title that like can, they can relate to or like it's part of what they do every day um and uh sometimes like this title for example it was one of the students she's the one who um uh, suggested the title for me so it's not uh it doesn't have like a specific way or one way of dealing with titles uh but arabic is something that since we are in that context and it also our, how we are like our identities and like uh, uh the majority of the students i don't usually push the arabic side of things like i don't not because we are in the context we have to speak in arabic or we have to um tell our stories in Arabic, but we did recently a project which um, I told students to just talk and record themselves speaking whatever language they're comfortable with. And I ended up getting so many different languages and I told them send me subtitles for it because if we want to add it to the, the project, at least it makes sense. Um, but it's for us is like it's that 
usually that's the case. Like um, I, I don't push the Arabic just because we're here. I try, I try to um, find, find, I tell the students to find their own voices with whatever language they're comfortable with. Being here in that region when the, the phones started back in the old days in the mm. 90s when the mm. keyboard was just in English mm. and uh, we didn't have that option to express ourselves as Arabs. Mm. Uh, so we created the Arabizi as a way of like communicating with each other and speaking with the with the with the letters and the, combining them together with the with the numbers uh, to communicate. So now I'm seeing a lot of these AR or like augmented reality kind of like um, uh, keyboards and sensors and whatever that it's like if you if you do this if you do that you get to like um, do some hand gesture whatever that it's like this is how you control your laptop or this is how you control your phone, or this is how you switch on uh, or off the lights. Uh, but there is no any, anything that I can relate to that. The gestures didn't make sense to me. And for me, I, I wanted to, um, to have any, any connection. And I thought if we, because of the, the, the concept of like, we are being colonized for years and just like you know the technologies usually come from specific places in the world so it was for me it's like maybe instead of like inventing um, the tools from the, the scratch maybe I can just find a concept that can I can embed it within that system mm. and that busy keyboard is is um, is extracted from the way that we count uh, um, a way of counting for it's for it's like after we it's like calling like for prayers and like dua and stuff like that so it's like there's a way of like counting that we do on the hand if we don't have these kind of like the beads thing mm -hmm. uh so if you if you don't have it, it's like you have to count on your hand and uh we usually do it like 33 counts and then you go again to 33 counts and another 33 counts so there is a specific way of doing it and i love the way that when someone is sitting on the prayer rug and mm -hmm. they're doing it you know exactly what they're doing. And it's already accounting system for us or like a way of like communicating with God. So it's like, um, I took that as a way of like, if there is a sensor on your laptop or your phone or whatever that can detect like a leap motion or whatever sensor can detect your hand gestures. And this could be our way to communicate. So that's related to our culture, related to how can we, uh, relate to like um uh connect at least it reminds us every day is like you know it's like what we do and what we believe in and also it invites the whoever is not knowing what is that you know it's like being curious about what we what we uh this system and it's a uh, um yeah, and it invites them to kind of raise questions and know more about our culture. So that was, um, I, I got an award in Ars Electronica Festival in Austria in 2017 because of that. Even if it was just a concept, I sent them the, the project anyway. And they, even the description that they said it was, even if it was just a concept, they wanted to support the idea that it's like, um, it can go anywhere. But the problem is, is like, for me, I'm not a coder, I'm not a developer. So it's like, um, I stopped it for now, but it's like, I know that it, maybe the technology can get better in a way that it's like, we can really get to have that kind of keyboard on our phones. In the beginning of your career, you were doing kind of peer design and graphic design. And then you mentioned that as you move forward, you've, uh, 
begun to learn programming. So can you speak to that like the from both practice perspective and also from education perspective and the status of yeah. AR VR more generally? Your relationship, yeah, but, yeah, but the, the, the intersection with design and technology. You know, you know, the thing is, is like, again, as I told you, like, I'm a very curious person, which it usually the, the idea that I want to to develop, usually the outcomes or the, the mediums start revealing itself while I'm working. So I don't usually be like, I want to do a VR experience. Let's mm -hmm. find a concept for it. I don't do this. I usually have an idea in my head and this is what leads me to using AR what's what's the best tool for it so right. I was working with um on um uh during Qumra I had a film uh that was uh in Qumra and at, the, at that time I I I was introduced to a producer that he works in VR and when he started hearing my concept and my uh it was a film that about someone being in your in your shoes like you want them to be in this in you and i don't want to see the girl and i they told me vr could be the best solution for you if you want to do that don't do it in a 2d film mm -hmm. and i started digging more and i went to south africa i was introduced to a program uh that i was uh got selected to be in uh that they uh it's called electric south that they helped me um with my story and uh, they developed also they work with extended realities in general they introduced me to the whole world of like we had journalists we had media people we had uh filmmakers musicians whatever that they were all in, uh, curious about the technology some of them they were using ai technology some of them they were interested just in traditional stuff and uh mixing it together so um I was introduced to more than VR, which got me excited in so many other things than just VR and AR. And it's like uh, photo geometry, like, you know, it's like uh, scanning like a whole city and playing around with like models and animating in a, with a, a volumetric filmmaking and what's happening as a movement and how they're developing themselves. So it's like, it, it got me in so many directions that it showed me that the, it's not about the um, it's not about the tools. The tools will keep evolving and changing, and tools will get better every single year, and mm. others will extinct in a second. Mm. And you can't just be um, like just uh, sitting there waiting for the tool to get better for you. So it's for me. It was I. What makes the, the like makes me drive or makes me move around is my curiosity with what I want to say. So and then I find the right tool, learn it, or collaborate with people that they know it, and then do my own thing after. Mm -hmm.